What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to the My Prince Story Podcast. My name is Dana Marshall, your host, and today I'm speaking with a brand new Prince friend of mine. His name is Charles. He's from West Michigan, and you'll find a growing theme in this episode is about the relationships that we've built since the passing of Prince. But without further ado, let's get into it. Here is my new friend, Charles. All right, Charles, welcome to my Prince basement. This is this is pretty cool. It's pretty epic down here. I have this conversation with a lot of people, but it's it's a little funnier when it comes to you, how I invite strangers to my home <laughs> and strangers just walk down into my basement, not nervous that anything creepy is going to happen. Oh, you're a Prince fan, right? <laughs> because when you love Prince, you're not strangers. That's what a lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand. Yes. It didn't seem weird to me at all that I have never met you and I just sent you a message saying, come on over to my house. <laughs> and here I am. Here I am. <laughs> Since I know little about you. Charles, tell us a little bit, a little bit of background um, before we get into the print stuff. What do you do for a living? I work for a local mental health agency here in Kalamazoo, and I also have a private psychotherapy practice on the side. I've been doing that for about five years. I've been working at the the local human services agency for about 20. So you should probably be interviewing me. (laughs) No, I will listen to you and then you can pay me for it. Oh, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So we need to switch places. I'll get on the couch. Okay. Do you enjoy what you do? Because I would imagine that that can be a little uh what's the word taxing right emotionally it can mentally be. it can be but you know it's a passion of mine I, right. I was out of it for a while I, I started out early in my career i was doing therapy with kids for about five years and got really burned out you hear so many ast- terrible stories right you know i got burned out and then i was doing administrative work for a number of years and then a friend of mine just uh, contacted me and said hey i have this other friend who's starting a private practice do you want to join in i'm like yeah i really missed working with people and since then i've, I've really gotten into it and really enjoy enjoy doing that kind of work. I'm a big fan of the work. I've had one therapist that I've stuck with since I was in high school. And I'm to this day still in contact with her. That you get to know someone really yeah. well, right? Yeah. Really intimately. Uh, now, outside of the therapy that you do, mm-hmm. there's also music therapy. You and I are both massive lovers of the yeah. artist Prince, which is why you're yep. here. Mm-hmm. What led you to get to where you are now in the Suffer Prince. How did this all begin for you? I think it goes back to junior high for me. Okay. You know, this was uh, about 83, 84. You know, this was when Purple Rain was really starting to get big. And I had a friend of mine, Rydell, and he, he turned me on to Prince and said, hey, you got to check this guy out. And By the way, I've never heard that name before, and I love it so much. You've never heard of Rydell? Rydell? Rydell, if you're listening, you have the coolest <laughs> name I've ever heard. I like that a lot. Rydell. That's actually his middle name. Uh, he... His, his first name is Ruben, and he went by Rydell. Jesus, he's got the coolest name I've ever heard. <laughs> and he was, Ruben Rydell. Yeah. I'm changing my radio name to Ruben Rydell after this podcast. <laughs> he he was such a cool guy. Such a cool guy. And so, so, he, so did he introduce you to Prince then? Yep. I want to say he might have even lent me a cassette tape of Purple Rain. 
I can't remember it's precisely. It's like a drug transaction. Somebody's like, here's a little taste, yeah, right? Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're like coming back, I got to have more. I'll do whatever <laughs> it takes. Give me some more. Yeah. I, he, so I think he gave me a copy of Purple Rain and I bought my own. Right. And then I was really, really into it. When uh, Around the World and the Day came out mm-hmm. uh, in, what was it, 85, right? Right. I remember riding my bike down to the Spar. Do you remember Spar Drug? Did you grow up in Michigan? I did. I actually grew up in Decatur. Oh, okay. There was a Spar drugstore four or five blocks from my house, and I rode my bike down there and bought Around the World in the Day on a cassette soon after it came out. So I was just hooked from there on. What's your favorite track on that album? Around the World in the Day? Uh, boy, now you put me on the spot here. I was thinking a lot about it. I don't really like this song, Temptation, on that album. <laughs> I don't like it, but I think it's really interesting. I That's one of those songs. I, I spoke about this kind of theme, I feel, in Prince music, where there, there are a lot of themes you can pull out of Prince music where you could build a playlist and go, I want all the Camille-sounding songs, yes, like Erotic yep. City. There's also this like edgy scream thing he does in The Beautiful Ones mm-hmm. and Something in the Water Does Not Compute and in Temptation. Yeah, There's something about the darkness in those songs that I like a lot. But you have to, Temptation, that's a long song. You have to really be in it to win it for that one, right? Yeah, and, and it's it interesting. It takes you on a journey. Yeah, and he's he sounds like he's really struggling with sexuality there and trying to make correct. With everything, right? With yeah. sexuality, spiritual, like everything comes to a head in that one track. Yep, yep. Really, and I think at the end of the track, he's saying, you know, I have to go away. I don't know when I'll return. You know, he has. This, it sounds like he has this sense of guilt about his sexuality yeah. in that that song. And that, that's always interested me. The, the whole dichotomy between... Uh, I want to re-listen to that song after you and I have talked about this now. And it's, hmm. it's one of those songs that kind of fl- flies under the radar. It's yeah. not one that jumps out at you. But I think he's he's kind of vulnerable in that song in a way that he's not in some other songs. And that, that whole dichotomy between his, his profound interest in spirituality and then this sexual side, too. That he, he almost feels like that they're uh, they're in great tension with each other. Reminds me of the Bat Dance video, you know, where he has Batman on one side. Oh, and where Robin, he does the Gemini thing. Gemini, yeah, the yeah, Gemini yeah. thing. All right, so so if Temptation's not your favorite from that album, which is what I was going to guess you were going to say, uh, I'm going to say I'm I'm going to guess Tambourine. That's a pretty good one. Of course, Raspberry Beret. Yeah, you, you I always like think of Beret. that one. Around uh, the World in the Day is pretty good. Paisley Park. Paisley I want. Park. I want to like the song Paisley Park more than I do because I love the place Paisley Park so much. But there's something about the song that just I don't connect with it. Really? Why am I forgetting? No, my favorite song on on that album. Pop it should life. be easy. It's popular. There's only seven tracks on that album. Yeah. And we we named all of them, but Condition of the Heart. Now we've named oh, them all. Oh, okay. Now that is my favorite song. Yeah, that's a great track. That is my favorite song. Lyrically, on that album. one of his better songs. Oh but, yeah. Yeah, something about pop life and the whole made up thing about that sound was the sound of him being booed off of a Rolling Stones show. Mm-hmm. That's a true story that it happened. That's not where the sound is actually from. Uh, where he's getting okay. booed off. But Pop Life, that's my jam on that one. But Condition of the Heart is a great, great song. Yeah. That oh, lyric yeah. where he talks about, she left me for a real prince from Arabia. Remember that lyric? No, I don't remember oh, that lyric. Oh, that's just kind of devastating. A real prince. Well, that, that's the thing. Something about the words in that song, when you listen to it, you're like, damn, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah, that's, that's a that's that is my favorite song on the album. All right, so so it starts out with Purple Rain, as is with many, including right. myself. It yep. started with Purple Rain, but then all of a sudden, Purple Rain becomes just a second or third class album because you start falling in love with other Prince music. That one got you in the door, 
But then after that, what's the one that really locked you into place? Was it Around the World in a Day or was it Sign of the Times? Uh, Sign of the Times was a big one for me. Uh, Parade, I think, was really big, too. Oh, how did I skip over Parade? Parade was amazing. Mountains, I love mountains. I hate it when people tell me that they don't like the movie Under the Cherry Moon. How can you not like the movie Under the Cherry Moon? It, it's it's one of his better ones. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I remember going to see Graffiti Bridge in the theater. Wow. I, I did not have a lot of friends who were into Prince. Sure. So it was a struggle to get people. And I, I remember going, and this was in Studio 28 in Grand Rapids. I don't know if you've ever been mm-hmm. up there. But this was a, this was like a humongous uh, movie theater. So we went up there, and I remember seeing it. I was like one of the only white guys in the theater. But sitting in the back and watching that movie, it was it was awesome. You're getting into this other side of Prince's creativity that is so much fun to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That cast was so cool bringing Jill Jones back Mm -hmm. and, you know, Morris Day and and Jerome, you know, the whole time. But then also bringing, you know, Tevin Campbell. First time we're seeing him ever. Yep. And uh, why am I? Mavis Staples. Thank you. Mavis Staples is who I was trying to think of. I saw her in concert. Saw Mavis, I think it was a couple years ago. I'm also a big Bob Dylan fan. Oh, really? And Mavis was opening for Bob Dylan, which was like, I couldn't believe it. I was going to get to see her Were you just meant to live in Minnesota? I, you know, it's 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 like it's like that. The yeah, two my two favorite artists of Minnesota. Yep. It's Prince and Bob Dylan. Wow. And she was phenomenal. My wife went with me and she said that, you know, Mavis was much better than Bob. Bob was really mumbly and he wasn't he wasn't having a good night. It really depends on the night you see him. Uh, mm-hmm. my fiance just went to see him just like what, nine months ago, a year ago in Grand Rapids, and she said it was amazing. He wasn't mumbly, the show was incredible. Really? And he is like a hundred and five now. <laughs> I know. He's always <laughs> on tour. He just doesn't stop. I'd like to see him again. I don't think my wife would want to go with me again. She yeah. did not have a great time. Because he rearranges all the songs too, you know. He doesn't do uh he doesn't do it do it straight. That's Bob Dylan. He purposely he goes out of his way to make you fight to love his his music he's weird that way yep but mavis was really amazing she was great prince has always had a thing for female artists that's that's always been his jam he's made no secret of it yeah there are lots of stories about his love and how he used to prank shaka khan uh-huh. and how like their real first meeting was her being angry and yelling at him mm-hmm. every time i get to hear these stories i'm just I, i'm a little kid that wants someone to tell me a story before bedtime you know what i mean like oh yeah tell yeah. me a prince story <laughs> i can't get enough of those prince stories i'm sure you've heard a million of them are, are there any print stories that stick out to you that you've heard like on podcasts or on interviews oh boy there's so many of them i've heard of you know i, I, I wish i could have just been i want to know more about the human prince because i feel yes, like yeah. there's only so much more of the artist i can know because i've been consuming it since i was 12 i think he hid himself mm-hmm. in a lot of ways you know you've probably heard the wally story the song wally that is probably one of my favorite stories that uh susan rogers tells mm-hmm. that story about how it was the most incredible song she ever heard that she cried yeah. when he was singing it. He was being very vulnerable and yeah. honest. Yeah. And then he said, erase it. Yep. And she yep. tried to argue and he said, do I have to come in there and erase it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and man. There are, if you go on YouTube, <laughs> if you go on YouTube, there's versions of that song. Seriously? Go, well, but it's nothing. I think, I don't know where they came from, but I was just I was just searching for it the other day because I'd heard this story. This is such a great song. And you go on YouTube and, well, there's a that's version. That's a great story. It's it's not, not, not great. The version <laughs> that's, that's released, at least. I think. That's leaked. I have a whole list of people I would love to interview. Susan Rogers, definitely at the top oh, of that list. Oh, yeah. I cannot think of a person professionally that was more plugged in in every way, good and bad. Yeah, she's in the you know right in the room while he's recording all this Pro, stuff. When Prince right? is in the good moods or in the bad moods, and they're creating together, and 
there's something about that relationship that's different than relationship he had with musicians. Yeah. There was a little bit, my opinion, what do I know? I feel like he leaned on someone like, even from the beginning when she got hired, he's like, set up the studio. Mm-hmm. He's relying on her from the very beginning. So there's a lot more leeway in their relationship than when it came to mu- musicians he brought in. Right. Because he would yeah. say, here's how you do this. Yeah. She Not was, with her, though. She did a, a talk when I did went to Celebration in 2017. Oh. I'm so jealous. By the way, Charles and I have already had like a long conversation before we hit record about all of these Prince moments that we've been involved in, especially after his passing. Yeah. And I'm so jealous that I haven't been to one of the celebrations yet. So judging by your shirt, and we'll put one of these pictures up on Instagram. Yeah. You're wearing the 2017. That's when you went to celebration. Yep. It was a they they scheduled this one. It was a year after his death. Yep. And so probably that. I mean, it was amazing. And we were talking earlier about how you just kind of go to a place where you share a fandom and you instantly make friends. My favorite part of the whole thing. I love Prince's music, but I've never met a Prince fan that I don't love. Yeah. It it is the weirdest thing. And you go to a strange place. We're not from Minneapolis. Right. And I went by myself. And you're by yourself in Mm -hmm. a crowd of thousands, right? Can you think of a better time for you to clam up and not talk to a person? I can't. Right. That is where I shut down all day long. If it is a huge crowd of people and I'm alone, but what is Prince people? Yeah, you have this automatic connection. I made friends from all over the world. We were talking about that. Name name some of them. Well, uh, let's see. There was uh, a woman I met, really fascinating woman from Liverpool, and she was she was almost grief stricken. You know, you've been to sure. Paisley. You know, there's the uh, the little. They, I think they call it Graffiti Bridge now. It's the little underpass where I you walk under. I just checked that out for the first time a couple weeks ago. Just a heads up, you can take a tour of that graffiti bridge we're talking about on the My Prince Story YouTube page. I'll have the link in the description. Uh, I think it was maybe the third or fourth night. She had she handmade these candles, these candle holders, and was down there sitting uh, when I walked by and, and saw her again. She was just she was really grief stricken about uh, Prince's death. And let's say there was a woman. I was standing in line to get into the electric fetus to meet Susanna Melvoin. Mm-hmm. And I met a woman. Susanna, if you listen to this podcast, I love you so much, and please be on this podcast. <laughs> so, and I, I cannot stress enough. We were talking about that before we hit record. Uh-huh. I love Susanna Melvoin. She's I love awesome. Her, I love her background vocals on the Parade album. Mm-hmm. By the way, listen to the Parade album with earbuds. Prince does this funky thing where he puts some of the background vocals in your left ear and some of them in your right ear. You can't tell if you're not wearing earbuds. Uh. And it changes the whole sound of the song. Oh, wow. I love it so much. So I interrupted you. So you're, you're in line, electric oh, yeah. fetus. In, in line, electric fetus. And I met a woman from Japan who had flown all the way from Japan to Minneapolis to Love attend it. celebration. And it was just amazing. There's all kinds of people. Now, are you still in touch with these people? Not the one from Japan. Her okay. English was not very good. But right. yeah, I became Facebook friends with a number of folks and still stay in contact. It is definitely the silver lining on the very dark cloud that is Prince passing. Yeah. I've always been able to go to a Prince concert and get along with people just fine, but it's it's different now. You go to Paisley Park or Celebration, Electric Fetus, Prince fans find each other. I was in Los Angeles going to a some cafe to meet up with a girl to record for my podcast mm-hmm. and just because I have purple hair a girl stopped me and said I love your hair I'm a huge Prince fan I said I'm a huge Prince fan uh-huh. I'm about to record a Prince podcast and we now we're friends on social media yeah. we bumped into each other on the other side of the country mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's you can't do that with another if I have pink hair no one's going to stop me and say I'm a huge fan of the artist pink right no there's you know there's I mean? a there's a there's like a brotherhood sisterhood there. It's totally different. There was a really cool guy too we met. His name was Kirk, mm-hmm. and he he came along. He was only eighteen. He was a young guy, and he was but he's a local. 
and he had gone to all these Paisley shows too, and so he had local all kinds Minneapolis, local to Minneapolis, okay. yeah. And he had gone to all these shows, and so he and he knew the area, so he took us around, showed us where the old Purple House used to be on yep. Kiowa Trail. Yeah, where now it's just the black fence where it's got the heart and the peace sign. Yes, yeah. Yep. I, took some, I think I even have a picture of that in my phone. I heard. Uh, and again, I apologize in advance that some of this is second, third-hand stories. Uh-huh. I heard that after Prince's divorce with Maite, because that's a home that he shared with Maite, mm-hmm. that he had the home bulldozed. Yeah. Which I'm just like, dude, I mean, we all have our ways of moving on, but damn, that's a historic house. He recorded albums in that house. In oh, the yeah. The basement of that house is yeah. where he was recording stuff before Paisley was built. The new, How can you, know, you destroy that? Yeah, the new Originals album that came out. You yeah. Know? A lot of that stuff was at the home studio. Tell me how much you love the Originals album. I, I do like it. It's now, pretty cool. Although I, I've probably had enough uh, versions of... Uh, Nothing Compares to You. Nothing Compares to You. Sure. I feel like I've heard about 400 versions of Did you of get that. the Target release? Of course. i got to okay. do that, right? It's, the Target release has the has, extra cut, mm-hmm, and it actually mm-hmm. is... I like that better. I like the extra cut better. If I were to tell you that I allegedly had bootlegs for many years, uh-huh. I've already had some of these cuts that are on the originals, exactly. but I have others. Martika's Kitchen. I have Prince singing Martika's Kitchen, uh-huh. which is hilarious to hear him because he's singing like a girl. He's doing it in the way he wants Martika to sing it. Mm-hmm. Come get some, get some, get some in Martika's Kitchen, baby. The Diet Pepsi commercial. If you yes. ha- have you heard this yet? I have not heard it. Prince created a five minute version of the song called You Got the Right One Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He sang it in Ray Charles's voice, had background singers, the whole thing. Yeah. And sold it for Diet Pepsi for millions of dollars. At the time, it was the most expensive song ever written. Wow. Diet Pepsi bought really? it. Ray Charles sang it. It's a very low quality piece of audio because it's like a tape recording of a tape recording or mm-hmm. something. Multi generation. But things. it doesn't matter. Everybody knows you, you. When it's Ain't no way to fight. Thank you, girl. For those of us oh who have, have heard some of the bootleg stuff, mm-hmm. it is shocking, you know, that this stuff never really got widely released. Like uh, Undertaker is one of my favorite things he's ever done. Yeah. And I was first introduced, allegedly, as you say, to it <laughs> via bootleg, a VHS bootleg. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I worked so hard. I'm not super techie, but I was able to get an audio track from there so I could listen to it in the car. The guitar work on that yeah. is amazing. And I think it had limited release, like in Japan or I've something always, like I've that. I've always hated that about how there are certain things that get released either as radio singles or just in general released in another country like Japan 2010 was or the same UK way. or Australia that the U.S. doesn't get. I don't understand why that happened. but I don't know either. But 2010, the, that whole album was the same way. Never, yeah. never was released here. Well, maybe it has been now, but went back in 2010. I think I won 2010 from a prince youtuber oh really many years ago well back in 2010 uh-huh i totally uh sidetracked you you were talking about meeting friends in minneapolis oh yeah kirk we, i was telling you about kirk so so you guys you guys went by the old house oh and he took us everywhere so we went by the kiowa trail house which was really have you been there uh you're talking about the one with the black fence yes yes 
that one is it's just in a neighborhood you know yeah. it's on a lake if you look on google earth you know you can see it's on a lake but that it's not it's not anything the fancy the people of minneapolis god bless them they are some patient people mm-hmm. you can go google seven places every prince fan should see that's yeah. a story that i wrote uh-huh. and i went to all of these places and many of these places like that house the movie that is the actual Purple Rain House. I'm yep. assuming you've been we there. We went there, yeah. These are all in little neighborhoods. And when I go mm-hmm. to get my picture taken in front of it, I have to wait for the people in front of me to be done. Yes. People yep. have to live with this stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. We also went to the, his other house on Galpin Drive. It's not there anymore. Of course, he that's the one he bulldozed after he broke up with Maite. Okay. And uh, there's all kinds of fences around it. It's very close to Paisley Park. Yeah. But there was a hole in but the that's, fence. But that's even a neighborhood, too. It's He's got houses close by there as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he, one of the places he drove us by, Kirk drove us by, was where uh, he had uh, Third Eye Girl living. They were they were close to Paisley in a, in a nice little you know, nice little suburban neighborhood. But we, we went to the uh, the Galpin house and I was one of the Darren, one of the guys I met was a police detective from Buffalo. And a couple of people had snuck through the, the fence to go walk into the, the property. And he said, we probably shouldn't be doing that. So I did no. not do that. But the, one of the guys from London did. And he could still see the symbol in bricks that was oh still there. God. I allegedly want to go do that now. I think the fence is still open. Ah. <sighs> You could get in, but I, and I, was that one, that one was not on a lake, but yeah, he, he showed us pictures of it when he, when he got out there. Yeah. That would have been cool to do, but I didn't want to get arrested. Have you done the Paisley Park tour? Yeah, that was part of Celebration. Okay. Uh, the cool thing about Celebration, I mean, there were so many cool things about Celebration. The, the coolest, well, there was like two highlights for me. One was, yeah, you get to take the tour. That's cool. But at, during our tour, you get to go into, I think it was a Studio B. Mm-hmm. And you did walk. you do the Thursday tour where you could sing? No, they didn't okay. offer that. that. That would probably be good that I didn't do that, though. No oh, you, hear me sing. It's, it doesn't matter. You have to do it. No, well, yeah, I'm ordering you. We're, we are, we're going. You go do it now. We're, we're, my family and I are taking a vacation, and we're flying from Kalamazoo to Minneapolis, and then Minneapolis on. And I asked my wife, like, how much time do we have? Could we probably get the Paisley Park tour in? She goes, I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I've done a couple different versions of the Paisley Park tour. Uh-huh. And... Um, Paisley Park should sponsor this podcast as much as I push it. That would be cool, wouldn't now, it? Now, I recently tried a new one. It was the ultimate VIP experience. It cost Ooh. a little more money. It was worth every penny. I have no money. I can't stress enough how I'm a radio personality <laughs> and I put this stuff on credit cards. So if poor me is saying spend the 160 bucks for the yeah. ultimate tour, you should do it. You get to go into studios that I didn't know were in the building. Yeah. When yeah. you do the ultimate VIP you, they hand you, you, they give you gloves to put on. They hand you an actual peach cloud guitar that Prince played. It's one of his actual guitars. It's got wear and dent and scratches yep, yep. in it. But you get to hold the actual guitar Prince played, yeah. not like one of the replicas you can buy. Yeah, when we were there, we, they, we got to hold a guitar he played. Oh, did you it's really? The, uh, I see you've got your Super Bowl Oh, was it one of, of the principal right guitars? It was not the purple one. It's the, the gold one. The, the lime one, the one he starts out on. Oh, no kidding. I got to hold that. I held that in my hands. Man. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. They had some new stuff at this tour that they just found. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. They're still finding stuff. I'd heard, I'd read, a, I read an article about how they were opening up a wall and like there's a whole bunch of vi- vi- they're video. They're still finding. They're, so they're digging through all this print stuff like in the basement, right? Mm-hmm. They're still finding. Prince apparently kept everything. 
Oh yeah. So there, there are a couple of items that I personally would love to have one day. But again, I have to cut my spending off of this print stuff. Number one, the mic gun. Oh, I want an actual yeah. mic gun. People are like, go have one made. No, I want an actual mm-hmm. Prince gold mic gun. And that lame police hat with the gold chains. Yes. Which when you see it in person, it's so disappointing because it's such a stage costume piece. Mm-hmm. It's so cheap looking. Yeah. Like when you see it on the video, it looks so cool, right? The My Name is Prince video. And uh, I think... They did sell those for a while, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're for sale now. They're really expensive, too. Oh, are they? Like, how much for those? I can't remember. I just remember going, I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> but the mic gun, <laughs> I'll spend money on the mic gun. You could use it on wanted. the podcast. I could. Wouldn't that be great? It's a business expense. Damn it. Now I'm going to buy that. <laughs> but now they found one of the actual hats that he wore with the chains in the front and a mic gun. They have that on display. Oh. They just found that. And they found his freaking driver's license. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, that would be cool. I never considered Prince walking into a DMV before. That's never entered my mind. <laughs> you got to do it, right? Yeah. You it gotta doesn't do matter it. who you are. You got to do have it. have to go get. And so it's a it's, great equalizer. So you're looking at his driver's license. He's got his height and his weight and his picture. And he looks like he's he's pissed because he's at the DMV because who isn't? Mm-hmm. Something about seeing his driver's license just changed my life. I don't know. I was just like, oh my God. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine you're waiting in line to get your license, but Prince is going first? Wow. I'm sure he, he'd have some people with him, I'm sure. They're like, how tall are you without the shoes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, what a, the other thing that was really cool about Celebration, I was on, you know, there's two tracks. There's track one and track two. And I was on the track that got to see the Revolution perform on the anniversary of Prince's death. And, of course, they, of course, what do they close the show with? Sometimes it snows in April. Yep. And that was just beautiful. And the, I couldn't believe the emotion in the crowd. And the emotion on stage. Yes, I experienced yeah. the same thing when I saw the Revolution play in Chicago. And it was very early in the Revolution doing, doing the touring thing. But um, yeah. Wendy got to a part to where she choked up. And you could tell it was sincere. This wasn't a, this is a good place to emotionally yep. connect with a crowd. Yep. She literally couldn't, her voice was taken over by the emotion where she, mm-hmm. it, she couldn't hold the note anymore. Yep. And she just kind of stopped singing for a line. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Yeah, The crowd was with her. Oh yeah. my God, I'm almost emotional thinking about it right now. It was a really, really emotional experience. And that's that's yeah. the anniversary. Uh, of his passing right and you know van jones was there i ran into him in the bathroom uh, that's a good that's a good prince related story i have that you bumped into van jones yeah, in the bathroom. yeah I, I was going i went to the bathroom at paisley and uh in walks van jones the urinal right next to me like oh hey what do you do when that happens though i've had i've actually peed next to a celebrity before and i'm like well i can't introduce myself now <laughs> we're peeing next to each other there's an etiquette did you just go, hey, what's up? Did I just, I'm like, I think I nodded. And then I, when I was washing my hands, I chatted with him a little bit. But it, <laughs> it's, it's an awkward, you know, it's, it, it is. It's socially acceptable to talk while you're peeing, but I know, guess I, at a football game, maybe. Yeah. We're all friends at the Prince event, right? I don't think I'd ever, I've ever met <laughs> celebrities other than Prince related celebrities. Yeah. It's, it's almost always a letdown. I've met so many famous people because of my career. Yeah. You were saying and that. And they will let you down almost every time. Oh, really? Uh, now, when I've had the, I don't know what the word is here, the honor to meet someone from the Prince world, mm-hmm. I act like, I just fangirl, I act like a freaking idiot. I can't control myself. I have spent time with some of the biggest stars in the world and didn't care. Uh-huh. But I, if I, 
my dream if I get to hang out with Wendy. Oh, the yeah. The whole time, if I'm with Wendy and Lisa, the whole time, I will have an inner dialogue that goes something like this. Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't be, I, I'll just lose my, I'll lose my mind. I know I will. I mean, it would be a dream to be next to them. The fact that you got to meet Susanna. Oh my God. Meeting, so that was pretty cool, but I, I had just done a run. They were doing a, this was during celebration week and they were doing this running the purple path. So oh, run, I, run. I didn't know about that. That's oh, cool. Oh, that I was mean, so I'm not cool. a runner unless I'm being chased, but, okay. uh, <laughs> well, we maybe work something out. But yeah, they were doing the, it was, it was organized and it was supposed to be a 5k and they had all this cool swag too. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Prince shirts, Prince hats. Right. And then the, the estate said, no, you got, you can't really sell that stuff. So it became an unofficial event. The mayor of Chanhassen made it, organized it afterwards. To, mm-hmm. to, that was really cool. I met him, Danny Laffenberg or something like that. So I'd, I'd done this run, you know, it was a 5k and it was right, you know, right, went right by Paisley and finished it, uh. Uh, uh, and Lake Ann, Lake Ann Park, and then went straight to Electric Fetus. So I was all sweaty and icky when I met her, but it was still kind of cool. I yeah. bought the. She was selling a poster version of uh, the the album cover she did for. Oh boy, what was the album that wasn't released? Uh, Return of the Flash. What was that? Oh, uh, it was around the Sign of the Times era, yeah. but then he didn't release didn't it. Release. I know, it was I know exactly what you're talking. Dream Factory, maybe. She, uh, yes, yes, it was Dream Factory. Yeah, and so she had done a hand drawn album uh cover and he said he was supposed to he was going to use it but it's i bought a copy of it so i have a, have a copy there is so much music i mean there's so much music period oh yeah why now i'm gonna be hard on paisley park or whoever is in charge of this why they keep releasing purple vinyl versions of the albums we already have and not giving us some new music Okay, they threw us a bone with the originals, and that was a good one. Yep. High fives. Yep. Good job. But there's so much more. Specifically around the Sign of the Times era, around 86, 87, Prince was going crazy right, like writing a song and a day, right? And it's not even, it's not that he's like, oh, well, that's not a good song. Sometimes he might write a song that wasn't that great, and he would throw it away or whatever. But mm-hmm. around this era, they just didn't fit the theme of the album he was doing at the time. Yeah. So he'd hold on to it, maybe use it later. A lot of that happened with Graffiti Bridge. Like We Can Funk is something he wrote and recorded back in 83, Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff, he would just find a better place in the future. Right. Around 86, 87, there are some amazing songs that have not There's seen the light of, of day. stuff out there. I think they're holding on. I think they're releasing what they're releasing for commercial reasons. You know, the, the people who are sort of fair weather Prince fans, it's all the Purple Rain stuff. But, but right? I don't care about those people. Oh, I know. I, I don't either. <laughs> but that's where you make the money. You know, Prince, that's where they're going to make Prince their money. Prince used to call those people the Purple Rain heads. Yeah. I remember being at one of his concerts. It was for the Rainbow Children album. And he said, which is an uh, underrated Rain, album. Purple Rain Heads can go home. We're not doing that tonight. And uh-huh. I remember my ex-wife looking at me like we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that his his connection with the Jehovah Witnesses is something I'm really fascinated with. One yeah. of the things I regret not doing. I did so much stuff when I was in Minneapolis and doing the celebration. One of the guys I met from London went to the uh, the Kingdom Hall that he attended no and attended a service there. And I wish I would have gone because he you know he. He was a he was an active member there. Yep. He he would he would go for services. People knew him personally, and you know he, he got to meet those people. And I would have really loved to know a little bit. I don't know very much about Jehovah Witness faith besides what everybody knows, right? You knocking on the doors, right? And, 
that sort of thing. That would have been really cool. I think it was in Chaska, just down the road, is where he attended the Kingdom Hall with Larry Graham. I would have loved to have done that. That would have been cool. It would have been a cool experience. Have you seen Prince in concert? Yeah, I saw him three times. I think okay. we might have been... One of the times I saw him was in... The last time was 2012. That was the Welcome to Chicago tour. Yep. Me too. That was my and last show I, with I wonder Prince. if we were there at the same... I think it was the September 26th, because my birthday's the 25th. And I got these tickets for my birthday. Yeah, he had three shows in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I did show number two, which I heard was... I, I got lucky it was the better show, because I had a lot of technical difficulties with show number one. Some of the guitar stuff wasn't working correctly. Guitar solos were replaced with saxophone solos, and oh. there were some mic issues. So you I were, was pro- there. You were probably at three then. It might have been. He started like 45 minutes late. People were starting to get really upset. And then he didn't do an encore. Hmm. He actually did. We left. He did an encore really late, too. But the, yeah. the cool thing about that, that must show have been, is... Maybe you were a show one. Was there a lot of saxophone at the show you were no, at? No, there was, there was a lot of guitar stuff. Okay. Hmm. I just remember we were, we were... We had decent seats. But when they the band took the stage, they had this big case, huge case. They rolled out, and it was right, right below me. Yeah. Guess who was in that oh, case? Of course. Prince loves to be rolled in, in a, mm-hmm. inside of a box. And I that knew it. That was his jam, man. I knew it. It's like, that is Prince right below me. Yeah. That was pretty I've cool. I've heard so many stories of people like... They like they know Prince is in there, so they like to bang on the on the box, which I'm sure he loved. Being inside a box, having strangers bang on the outside of it. That was the uh, that was the third time. The first time I saw him was with uh, with my girlfriend. Well, well, yeah, girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife. In '98, we saw him at Cobo Hall, and we made a whole weekend of it. And it, that was really cool. That was when he was touring with uh, Shaka Khan and Larry Graham. I was at that tour. I saw that tour in two different places. Uh, Rosemont Horizon and and in Grand Rapids. Oh, I remember that. That was a that was an awesome tour. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Shaka Khan was fantastic. I remember not being super impressed with Larry Graham. So Larry Graham for that tour, he did his own thing with Graham Central Station, mm-hmm. but he was also the bass player for Prince's band for all of Prince's music. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that was an awesome tour. I got very lucky and got tickets to go to two different shows for that. So, so 98. 98. And then I saw him again. We were married at this time. And it was a Grand Rapids show, two, early 2000s. It was at Van Andel Arena. Musicology? No. Well, I don't think so. It, I should have looked, that, looked this up before I came here. I could have told you more accurately. But I remember it was really, really snowy. I think it might have been in February. So we went to the show. This is the reason I got to go to Celebration, by the way. So Laura and I... Uh, went to the show and we heard about the after show. They were doing an after show at the Orbit Room mm-hmm. and I, of course I'm Got like, the Orbit Room. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go, honey. And she's like, oh, the snow is so bad. It's miserable out. We better go home. We better, and we had a dog at the time. Right. So, okay, we made it home. I look online later for that show at the Orbit Room. He didn't, he did a huge after show, like two hours. Guess how many people were there? How many? 50. Oh my God. 50 people. You would have been one of just like 50 people at it the show would have been awesome and laura always kind of felt bad about that so after he died and celebration yeah. happened then she's like you should go you should go to celebration you don't want to wow. miss out so i ended up going to celebration and that was my that was really, your payback it really was it was <laughs> but it was so cool i feel like i you know i haven't gone back since then you know, i've done it two more years but i feel like i've just kind of did everything i have not shelled out the money for celebration yet but i go to minneapolis every year and do a paisley park tour 
Oh, every single year. That would be cool. I have an excuse because they have a radio convention called Conclave, uh, which is part of my. It's what I do for a living. You have to go. So you don't have any choice. I'm technically going for work, <laughs> but it never gets old. They do switch things out in Paisley Park, but it's more about how I feel when I'm inside the building. Yeah, I don't care that I've already seen these rooms four or five times now. I just feel a certain way when I'm inside that building, and I'm happy. I, I have. I'm yet to do one of their nighttime things. Like, was it Paisley Park After Dark? Yes. So that's my next goal is to do a Paisley Park After Dark. One of the other cool things I'm people I met uh, the 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 purple five k that I did mm-hmm. was DJ by uh, boy his name is uh, Michael Holtz. He's a DJ. He was a DJ at uh, Paisley Park, and he had all kinds of great stories about being a DJ there and doing all these shows. And uh, of course, I've never been to an evening thing there. I would either. love to. I but, love Minneapolis, and I, there's just something about being around all of those people. Yeah. That feel the same way I do. We all had the same confusion when Prince passed. Mm-hmm. Like none of us have met Prince, but we feel like our, you know, a close relative just died. Yeah. You know? I think you mentioned this on one of the other episodes of the podcast, but people were checking in with you like, Dana, are you doing okay? Oh, so many people. Getting all these texts. It was the same with me. That's how I found out Prince passed. It wasn't, I didn't see it on TV. I was home for lunch and my phone just started blowing up. And I thought the only reason why a friend of mine from Tokyo would be texting at the same time that a friend of mine from say Alabama would be texting me. Like that's the way it was. My phone was just blown up texts and phone calls. I knew immediately Prince died. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. So I just finished my lunch and went back to work and I didn't look at anything because I didn't want to know. I just, I wanted to live in this life where Prince hadn't died yet. How weird is that? Yeah. I was, I was out in the field. Uh, We were doing an, an audit of a mental health facility and with, was with a group of, of my coworkers. And I got a text from a friend of mine who knows I'm a, a super big Prince fan. And she, she must have been home or had seen something on the news that there was a death at Paisley Park. And I'm like, wow, that can't be Prince. You know, that's nothing. Right. So I went back to work. And then, of course, the, the texts start rolling in when, when you find out, yes, it was indeed Prince yeah. who died in that elevator and all by himself. So since this is what you do for a living, let me ask you this question. You're the most qualified person to answer this question. So when it comes to people like us, yeah. why are we so affected in a way when it comes to a person passing that we've never met before and highly likely we would never meet, Yeah. but then that person passes and it affects us in such a deep way to where we're fine for a while, then all of a sudden we're not fine. And it's like, like it's like grieving a loss of a loved one, right? It, it very much is. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that is? Because I think a lot of us hold on to this confusion over it. It's not just that uh, a mourning process. It's also a confusion over the mourning process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, nobody saw this one coming, right? Yeah. None of us knew that he had this opioid addiction that had been going on for, I mean, you probably read Maite's book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For great, 20, great book. Fantastic yeah. book. I, I I couldn't recommend that one enough. But Agreed. in that book, you know, she tells a story about him having an overdose when they were together 20 some years before he dies and going to the hospital. And, you know, being really worried about privacy, I, that, that that really struck me that you know, he, once he was out, he sent somebody back in to take his records because he was so worried about people knowing what was going on. But he had had this addiction for mm-hmm. 20 plus years, probably. Yeah. That was kept undercover because he's Prince, right? You don't right. you don't confront Prince about his addiction. And yeah, it, nobody saw this coming. And then it was so shocking. I was thinking about this as I was driving over here that, you know, one of the big things I liked about Prince when I was younger was that he was so anti-drug. You know, he was how many he was songs? Clean. Yeah. yeah. How, and became a vegan, you know, didn't drink 
all of these things, yeah. you know, living a clean life. And then, boom, he's one of the millions of people who have died of opioid addiction. Yeah, now he's a statistic. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote a, I write a column for the, a little local newspaper, the Three Rivers uh, Commercial News in Three Rivers, Michigan. I used to live down there. Okay. So I still write a column. And I've written a few columns about Prince. And I wrote one about his, his struggle with addiction that was kind of, you know, that was, it, it's just shocking to me. And it's, it's sad that that's, that is how he died of, uh, of a drug addiction. And he, right. he was so anti-drug. And he, he, this just kind of crept up on him. You know, I, I used to do substance abuse screens was, mm-hmm. was part of my part of my job at one point. And I could tell you, if I had a nickel for everyone who came in who was injecting heroin, who said, you know, this all started when I had it through my back out and my doctor prescribed some opiates. Right. And it just kind of escalated. Because there's there. one thing that we don't consider a drug air quotes. Right. Which would be here's something I can get a prescription for. Mm-hmm. This is not a drug. And then that can be abused. And then that is the stepping stone to something that then we do consider a drug. But that, I think, was a problem. Prince was very anti-drug. But I think it was easy for him to justify even Prince to go, okay, this isn't technically a drug. Well, I mean, not not a drug in the sense that drug abuse. Right. Even though it's one of the most abused drugs in the nation. And deadly. Yeah. Right. He's treating pain. It's a legitimate use, right. right? That's how it starts out. Yep. That's how it starts out for a lot of people. We want to go back in time until Prince lay off the high heels. Yeah. Well, in jumping off the stage, you, you, you watch these videos of him doing yeah. that, and you don't think how that's going to impact his hips. Sure. You know, he, apparently he had a double hip replacement. That's what I've heard. Yeah. But still had chronic pain. And how many, 20 years of trying to manage this. And eventually, you know, it, it happens with a lot of people. You know, they start out just getting it from their doctor. And then maybe that's not enough. So you have a friend give you some more. Yep. And then Which eventually that's being investigated still yeah. as we speak. And then eventually, you know, you start buying it from the street. The problem with buying it from the street is you don't know what you're getting. And that's what happened to Prince. Absolutely. He's t- he thinks he's taking a Norco, but he's taking fentanyl, which is what a thousand times more, di- more powerful. Yep. And then, then you're, then you're gone. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us had this bizarre thing where, there was something mystical about Prince in a way that he would never die. Yeah. <laughs> it's we're it, talking about Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's like 148 and still there out are, touring. There are so many people. I'm not saying Bob Dylan should be dead before Prince, but there are so many artists that have lived life in a very rough way. Yes. That you look at them and like, Oh, you're still alive. Mm-hmm. And Prince isn't like, that was yeah. really hard. 2016 got a lot of artists, but that that's yeah. one thing that, that was hard for me to deal with where I see people that have been, abusing drugs and just living life just in a bad way and mm-hmm. here's prince just trying to deal with pain but but it became abusing drugs after a while yeah. it becomes abusing drugs and one of the other things that it's, it's kind of sad is that he didn't have anyone in his life that could call him that on could it. be honest you know if i fell into something like that my wife would be saying hey come on you have a problem and would be able to she has an equal power relationship right with me well prince like you know he just like when things got weird with my tay he just sent her off to spain right literally just sent her off to spain mm-hmm. and there was kind of this weird rule where no one could call prince if prince wanted to talk to you he would call you even if you were married to him that's what my tay said yeah yeah so that's uh so we always kept this power differential with which only hurt him and didn't help him absolutely probably one of the reasons he's he died yeah 
is because he didn't have someone that would say, hey, you've you, you got to get treatment here. You know, he was seeking out treatment right at the very end. You know, right. that Schellenberg physician was coming to give him Suboxone to help him treat his opioid addiction. But yeah. that was too, it was too late. Just barely too late, too. That's the other heartbreaking thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, just one more day and maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. One more day. I remember, <sighs> I don't know where I was, but I remember reading the story of when he was coming back from a show in the South, I think it was the piano and the microphone, the last show. From Atlanta, yep. Had to land in Illinois. Yeah. Supposedly he had the flu. That's what the, the media reports were. And of course you learn later that, you know, he, he overdosed and he had to had to be given. He was non responsive. It was yeah. bad. Yep. And still he cared more about his privacy than he did about, you know, facing up with his addiction. Which is which is sad. That he never had anyone in his life who who was sort of an equal? I was thinking about that with Bob Dylan. There's a I don't know if you know if you know if you like Bob Dylan or not. Yeah. You know much about him? A little bit. I I know that he's he, I know that he has a son that has a couple hits. Nobody realizes that's a son. Oh, Jacob Dylan. Jacob yeah, Dylan. The Wallflowers. With the Wallflowers. One headlight. That's I a good love song. Every time a, or Sixth Avenue heartache. Every time one of those songs come on, I'll say that's Bob Dylan's kid. And everybody's uh-huh. like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob Dylan when he when he was coming up, he was he was dating Joan Baez. You know, Joan sure. Baez. Yeah. And you know. They were they were really close, but he decided he didn't want to be with her because she was she was actually famous before he was, mm-hmm. and she could just do what she wanted to do. They were sort of equals, and he didn't feel comfortable with that, so he ended up marrying another woman because he didn't feel comfortable having a, a relationship with someone that was his equal. And I think Prince was the same way. Yeah, you know, he didn't feel comfortable. He you know he dated Madonna, Kim Basinger. There's all these all these women he dated that were, he could have had an equal relationship, but I don't think he ever felt comfortable with that. Yeah, I I agree with that. Well, that's I don't know if you've ever seen the Kevin Smith, um, an evening with Kevin Smith, I've where seen he talks about YouTube, his yeah. his moments with Prince. Mm-hmm. For those of you, if you haven't seen it, it's a must see. But he talks about what it's like to live in Prince world. Yeah, and how Prince would just have these unbelievably unrealistic demands or requests, and people would have to explain to him why you couldn't have a camel in Minneapolis in the middle of February. And yeah. Prince would be like, I, but that's what I want. And they're like, but you can't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't understand no. So that... Well, everyone always, when you, you know, pays you, you're paying this person to right. tell you yes. Yeah. that, And you want to keep your job, so you're just, you're a yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that really that really was the downfall of Prince in a lot of ways, I feel like. Well, I think it was in Maite's book where she talks about Manuela, you know, his second mm-hmm. wife. And I didn't know this, that she was a big super fan. Manuela was? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I'm getting this right, that uh, when they were having problems in their relationship, I think that was after Emir had died, mm-hmm. uh, that he, he kind of, he went on, he would go on these AOL boards and Prince groups. I've heard rumors of this where... Prince would reach out and talk to fans anonymously. I An- think not you know. as Prince, right? Yeah. Maybe it's Joey Coco or something. I don't know. Right. But he reached out with her, and and maybe you know she was a fan. So there was a there was already this power differential with his second wife. Hmm. Makes me want to re-listen to the song "Email" on the oh uh, Emancipation, Emancipation album. album. That's right. Because what you're describing kind of goes along with the words to that song. No, you're right. I never made that connection before. So you think about Prince signing on to chat with people and he's doing it anonymously. Now think of that song email. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he reached out and they became friends. And I think that was when Maite was also kind of disillusioned with the Jehovah Witness thing. Yeah. And she she was, of course, all in 
And so that's that was at least in my taste perspective. That's how their relationship ended. Yeah. Manuel has never written a book about it. I, I'd be I don't know if she ever will because she's married to what Eric Benet now. Really, that's who yeah. she's married to now. Mm-hmm. They have a family. I like to see who Prince's exes go to after Prince. So Carmen Electra ends up with Tommy. Uh, no, no, no. Before him, the short guy from the Chili Peppers. A flea? No, Dave Navarro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So she ends up with Dave Navarro, which is just an inch taller than Prince. By the way, uh, he's a short dude too. Maybe, maybe she likes short right. guys. So she ends up with a guy that is not that different physical appearance wise from uh, Prince. There are sometimes when I look at Navarro and I think, "Are you trying to look like Prince?" Right. <laughs> I do believe Maite ended up with him as well. Maybe. She In was fact, dating. Didn't, uh, they, didn't they both end up with Navarro and Tommy Lee at one point? Tommy Lee, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think Tommy Lee both. But I think they both ended up dating both of those guys at one point. Really? I could be wrong, and I apologize in advance if I am. When I look at these exes, Prince has been gone now for a couple of years. I'm blown away that we haven't had the scandalous revelation yet. Yeah. Prince kind of built his image on this mysterious sexual being. Mm hmm. But there has not been a single sex story about Prince. Not one. No, that's true. How is that possible? No one has written like the big tell-all book. I'm starting to think that Prince wasn't really sexual. It was just part of his celebrity image. Part of the persona. That maybe he wasn't even that sexual at all. Because how can there not be a single sex story out there? Here's here's another Prince story that I have. This was a number of years ago. I was downtown. I think it was at the Green Top. You ever been to the Green Top in mm-hmm. Kalamazoo? Little little bar, and just met some guy. And he he said that he was a, a roadie for Prince. And, and again, this is all take it for what you will. Right. There's no secondhand info, secondhand information sure. gossip. But he what he would say is that what Prince would do is he he would pick a woman out from the from the crowd, and then bring her back, and then he would go and hang out with her, and they'd read the Bible together. I've heard stories like that, too. Uh, I met one girl. I was in Indianapolis at some sort of sporting event for my middle school. At the time, my kid was in middle school. Uh-huh. I can't remember what it was now. And there's another mother sitting beside me. And somehow we got on the topic of Prince. And she said, I got to dance with Prince before. And I said, what? She said, I was at a nightclub. And two of his bodyguards came over and said, Prince would like to know if you would like to dance with him. So she said, sure. Uh So basically the whole evening was just Prince, her and Prince either on the dance floor together or sitting together at a table. She said, Prince is very nice, very respectful, never made a weird move. And at the end of the evening, he kissed my hand and left and that was it. Mm -hmm. He didn't try anything. He didn't try to bring her home. He just wanted a beautiful girl on his side while he was out one night. That was it. Yeah. And he's had he's had that all his he had that all of his life a beautiful woman as uh, but he, on his he's hand. never trying to be the guy he is in the Prince song he's not he's not a uh, Violet the organ grinder when he's right. out there he's not the guy from Cream or Get Off that's weird to me that not one single story the guy who wrote Erotic City is not you know there, there's no story of these crazy orgy nights or mm-hmm. whatever nothing is coming out well i think part of that is probably was part of his persona like this false yeah. self you put forward bob dylan also likes to do that uh, well i remember early i was thinking about this as i was coming over here that when remember when prince first came out he he told people that he was biracial and his mom was white and his dad was black mm-hmm. because he wanted to appeal to more people so he kind of played with who he really was right and bob dylan does that 
too. There was a uh, uh, there's a Netflix special out now about the Rolling Thunder review. Yep. And yep. I don't know if you've read reviews of that, but they intentionally it's 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 Martin Scorsese. It's shot like a documentary, but there's obvious falsehoods in there. Who's the woman from uh, the actress from uh, Basic Instinct? Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. In in this documentary, Sharon Stone pretends is interviewed as if she met him. Bob Dylan when she was 19 years old and they faked pictures everything like this this fun of just playing with cro- the crossing of fiction and non-fiction right reality and non-reality yeah well and, and I get that there's going to be some of that in all the artists especially you know like how Vanilla Ice tried to make it look like he <laughs> yeah. came from the hood yeah. when he was just a you know middle class uh-huh. white kid that liked rap no big deal just be who you are right and they, they pay for that when people find out what the truth really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prince was able to dance on this kind of like in the way that um, how Stevie Nicks had like an aura of mystery that surrounded yes. her all the time mm-hmm. to the point where people literally did think she was a witch. Yes. And she had nothing to do with Wiccan or anything. It was just this mystery around her. And it was so believable that people bought it hook, line and sinker. And absolutely, I buy that Prince is a sexual being, but there's no proof outside of his music, right? Nothing. So I can't help but wonder because I feel like I am more of a pervy human being because of Prince. And if I'm going to find out he's not one at all, I'm confused about that. (laughs) Of course, we'll we'll never know, right? We'll never know what his real sexuality was and and, and what that what it meant to him. But I think his sexuality is 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 really closely tied to his spirituality. Oh, 100 percent. I agree with it's that. It's a huge, huge, yeah. huge connection. Uh, I remember uh, I also I, mean, I told you I'm an amateur writer. Right. And I wrote some of the reflections for a, a publication of my church. And I wrote one about Prince. And that was one of the one of the things I said is that, you know, you, you everybody thinks that nothing could when we were growing up, you know, Prince was this perverted imp you know just having orgies all the time is what people sure, thought yeah and the reality may be different nobody thought anything good could come from him <laughs> right. really at that time right, right no i got you but one of the one of these reflections i wrote you know the the b-side to purple rain is a song called god, god yep. which is extremely spiritual right so he had that that was that that was hugely important to him and i think tied to his sexuality yeah it was this this yearning to connect with something greater you know, right at the end of his life, remember he, he talked about being celibate. Do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember the celibate thing. Yeah, right? he. I don't remember when it was. It was after his second marriage to Manuela failed. He said, "You know, I'm I'm uh, sexy and celibate." He had kind of embraced almost this monk-like existence. And I don't know if you I'm ever so confused. Have you ever checked out the? Uh, you know, after they they were doing the investigation, the Carver County mm-hmm. uh, Police Department. Or sheriff's deputies they, they released a whole bunch of information online did you check any of that out i went as far as seeing pictures that i wish i didn't look at those yeah those pictures were hard to look at and so i i learned that i don't necessarily want to do too much of a deep dive on that part of things you know what i mean but some of the pictures that there was pictures of of, of his everywhere room. everywhere in paisley park yeah did you see any of those mm-hmm. and what kind of life he was living that's what disturbed me the most not yeah. the pictures and i apologize trigger warning not the pictures of prince lying there mm-hmm. that was bad but it was the pictures of how he was living that bothered yes. me the most yeah when you saw inside his bedroom that was connected to his master suite at paisley park yeah and saw the disaster because i worked in the record business mm-hmm 
you know, for like seven years. So I worked with artists and I artists live like that, right? They're a mess, but they're usually a mess because of things like pills and like Prince was now that he we was. know. Yeah. But when you see the disaster that was his bathroom, you're just like, whoa, didn't expect to see that. Didn't expect to feel that way after viewing it. No, it's disturbing to think of someone who has this persona of being so put together and clean. So organized and clean. And then you see the opposite. And how, okay. how, how is he really living his last days? Yeah. It, it's just, it is disturbing to, to see that. Yeah. But you know, that's the life an addict lives. Everything's just thrown all over the place and nothing is put together. You think, you know, you could hire people to, to clean that up. One thing that really gets me is that Prince was supposed to be that artist that just wasn't going to be another number. Yeah. But then you look at that and you look at Whitney Houston's story. Mm-hmm. You can go through the line and just see how, because of the way he passed, there is a theme with a lot of artists and unfortunately Prince followed that same theme and yeah. we like to put him in, in a different place. And here he is just like Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. All too human. Very, very similar. All too endings. human. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad to see a, a musical hero like that. Yeah. Succumb to that kind of life and to realize they were living that kind of life. And and if you saw the picture, one of the last pictures taken of him was that electric fetus. Did mm-hmm. you see that photo? He yep. was with an assistant and he, he just doesn't look good. You can tell just by looking at him that he's very ill. Yeah. Many, many years of not getting enough sleep. A lot has been said about how Prince would sleep two to four hours a night yeah. and make fun of everyone else for needing more. Mm hmm. But now we know about the pill addiction yeah. and we know how that changes your body chemistry, which especially includes lack of sleep. Yeah. Right. So that can easily be why he could go 18, 20, 24 hours yeah. without sleep yeah. because of his pill addiction, it, which is a bizarre situation. But your body will one day go, oh, by the way. You can't go without sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we've all hit that point, right? Where we get to a certain age where we're like, yes. when you used to be able to pull an all nighter when yeah. you were younger and now you try to pull an all nighter and you're like, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. It oh, happens. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think it even caught up to Prince. Sleep deprivation uh, really messes with you. If you put that together with how incredibly busy Prince was, yeah. how much he had going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's no, there's no wonder you can see it on his face. Let's wrap this up on a positive note. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that, I have found that's come to light since Prince's passing and I wish this would get more publicity in some way because I feel like it would help the world is the amount of things Prince did for not just his local community but for charities that he had passions for because Prince went to great lengths to hide what he did for charity which I feel like is the definition of integrity. Well, I think that's because he was a devout Christian. You know? It's just amazing, though, right? Like, he did amazing, gave large amounts of money, and he, one of his major things was like, here is how I'm going to help you. You just have to keep the promise to not tell anybody. Right. He, in fact, he would hire people to find causes. That's that what Van Jones, important. that's how they connected at first. That's exactly He's yes, the, we code. He's the only person that spoke out about this stuff. Yeah. And like when Prince would go and tour in certain places, wherever he would do a concert, he would make sure that money was going mm-hmm. to uh, to help kids in education of minorities in that city. And 
supposedly all of this has been a big secret. Yeah, supposedly the show that you and I went to, the Welcome to Chicago shows, the only reason he did those was to raise money yep. for Van Jones and some of the, the uh, Yes We Code and some of the other things he was doing to try he, to encourage. According to Van Jones, literally Prince would call him in and just have like hours and hours of conversations about what do you think is wrong with the world? How do you think if given the proper resources, we can actually make a difference? Yeah. And they would have meetings and find ways that they could fix things and actually make an impact in the world. And that's been a big secret. And that, okay, if we never hear about, if Prince was ever a sexual freak, fine. I'm a little disappointed, but fine. <laughs> but I want all of the stuff about his what he did for charity to come out because I feel like that will help the world in a way that people go, okay, look what Prince did, and he did it not wanting any praise. Let's follow his lead, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I think it would do the world a good uh, uh, service if, if that stuff went public. And I, I, I admire that, the way he did things. And mm -hmm. I think his faith was a huge part of that. You know, because you know, Jesus talks a lot about how, you know, if you pray in public, you've, you've received your reward, right? When you pray, you do it privately. It's the same thing with when you, when you do something charitable, you don't, you don't release a, have a press release. You do it right. and you let go, right? That's, and so I think that was a, one of the reasons he did that, that he didn't want to be associated with all this. He didn't want to tell everyone all these wonderful things he was doing because he wasn't doing it for, uh, for that. He didn't, right. he wasn't all about the publicity he didn't need that but a lot of artists tend to use use it in a way that one it helps build their their brand yeah yeah which makes sense mm -hmm. right um that's one way that people are encouraged to do charity works or businesses are encouraged to do things for for charity because it does make their brand look better right or to defend when people try to slam your character it's kind of like yeah but here's what i do Here's a and picture of me marching for this or whatever. Prince yeah, never, not one single nope. time ever nope. even used it to defend his character. It was always a secret. So impressive. So mm -hmm. especially at the level that he gave. Right. It, it, it's just incredible. I, and I would love to know how many people that he impacted in such a huge way because of it, not from his art, but from his charity. I bet you there are millions and millions of people who have been impacted by him anonymously. And they, they will They've, even never know. They that, will never that's know. a good point. Well, Charles, thank you so much for sending down. This has been great. Now, yeah. before before you leave, we're gonna we're gonna have to plug in and listen to some print stuff. Sorry that we can't share that with the rest of the world. Copyright infringement. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't. Well, thanks for sending with me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yes, thanks for having me, Dana. The My Prince Story podcast is recorded in my Prince basement in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm your host, Dana Marshall. Please stay in touch with me on Twitter at My Prince Podcast. You can also find the My Prince Story podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Do me a favor and like and subscribe wherever you do listen to this podcast to help us get noticed and share us with all your friends. Until next episode, my Purple Ninjas, peace and be wild. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.